0: And now we're on the war on the family. And ever since we went into the family, things got really, really interesting. Things are already, you know, interesting, but they got really interesting. <laughs> Amen. Our theme scripture, Ephesians six twelve. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And I want to add two more. In Matthew 11:12, 12, it says, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So that's a fight right there. So if you're not ready for that opposition, if you're not ready for that force that's going to come against you, you are going to be defeated. Yeah. Amen. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You cannot fight people in the flesh with your tongue, with your hand. It will not work. Amen. It will not. Amen. And then on top of all that, I had an interesting week this week. I really did. So anyway, um, when Pastor King asked me about, well, first he posed the question, can a woman be a helpmeet?" And I thought about it, and immediately, this story came to mind. You probably heard the story about a man who tried to help a butterfly out of his cocoon by slitting the cocoon open. The butterfly that emerged had small but unformed wings and soon and died soon after. It needed the struggle out of the cocoon to force the liquid into his wings to stretch and open them so that the butterfly could fly. By trying to shortcut the process, the man had instead doomed the creature. And a lot of times, that is what's happening with our young women. Amen. Um, It's not that this gentleman had any ill intent. He was trying to help this butterfly. And because of how God has made women so many times, we can be so nurturing that we get out of bounds, we get ahead of ourselves, we try to do too much. You know, if you don't have any clothes, I'll buy you some, I'll help you with your rent, I'll help you with your car note and, and your car insurance and I'll buy you some marijuana that keeps you calm. Whatever you need, I'll do it for you, amen. So, and the thing about it is she's gotten out of place and again not to judge women or point a finger i remember in my single years being out of place out of position sometimes it's just ignorance sometimes we just don't know because we live in a world now that's painting a picture and if our young people are caught up in tv and with any form of media That message is going forth really strong, and sometimes parents are like John the Baptist, you know, we're just a voice in the wilderness, saying, come, you know. So they're being duped, and they don't realize it yet. Um. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Perhaps you need to stop trying too hard as well with regard to a specific person or situation in your life. Oh, sorry. <laughs> A good question to ask would be: Are you trying so hard to make yourself feel better, or is it selfish gain, or is it because it will truly improve the situation? The man didn't have any evil intent by stopping the process. By stopping the process, but the butterfly was doomed. The struggle was necessary. Yeah, all right. Thank you all. Yes. We live in this world right now. And I have been guilty, we're guilty as single women, we're guilty as moms. We want, to, we want to make the process as easy as possible and consequently we are enabling young men, we are enabling our sons. We don't treat them as though one day they're going to meet somebody, find somebody and if they're not prepared, if they haven't gone through some process, they're not going to be any good to her. Amen. Hey. So, it's no, so it's no knowledge, no wisdom, so we perish. Most women don't have any evil intent, as I said, as well, but they are victims or ignorant to the world, the flesh and the devil. When a woman is at a position in a relationship, not knowing her boundaries, she negatively affects the man's relationship with God, with her, the children, and his livelihood. In Genesis 3, after this nice conversation that Eve was having with this serpent, and she was duped, and the man sinned, and when God put punishment on everybody, I can only imagine what it was like when they left that garden. I can only imagine the relationship with them before when they were in the garden and afterwards when they were kicked out and could not return. I'm quite sure when Adam initially saw Eve, he said, finally, help me. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I can picture him looking at her like... (laughs) And then the children came. And then they had issues with that, and it goes on and on and on. Um, I'm sorry. And a lot of our problems today, the same thing as with Eve. This is our world. First John two sixteen says, "For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions." The same temptations Eve has. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Ooh, this fruit is beautiful. And then it tastes good, too. And when I eat it, I will have all the knowledge that God has. You know, our influence, unfortunately, Eve affected Adam negatively in this situation. Women, we have a power of influence, but the influence is supposed to be positive. In the book of Esther, this beautiful woman was queen because she influenced this king and she saved all of her people. Her influence was positive. I saw a movie um, not too long ago called The Box. And in this movie, it was something like in the Twilight Zone. It was really interesting. In this movie, um, it's this man. And he's almost like was really demonic. And he said he had all these... um, employees. It's almost like he was a devil and it's almost like he had all these demons around because whenever he saw someone, a couple in a situation where they were having some financial problems, he would come knocking at their door. He would have this box and he would say, if you push this button you'll get a million dollars, but somebody's going to die. You won't know who it is though, but somebody's going to die. And you would think that Just being told that I'm going to kill an innocent person, right? But that money, it can fix this, it can fix that, it can fix that. And then he even gives them 24 hours to think about it. Then he comes back. And you know what I noticed? The man was kind of neutral. I don't know about that. But the wife kept going, I don't know, but, but, but. Hit the butt. I was like, the influence of the woman. The man really didn't want to do it. But she influenced him to do it. Yeah. And it reminded me so much of one of my favorite movies. Because it was called that movie was called The Box but Indecent Proposal. where this man proposed, money can buy anything. And unfortunately she proved him right. Because not only did she sleep with him for one night, but she liked him. And she stayed with him. An indecent proposal. She went back to her husband, but can you imagine? An indecent because of influence. He was unsure. Yeah, our finances are really, really messed up, but it's just one night. But she influenced her husband to allow this man to sleep with her for one night for a million dollars. Most costly thing she's ever done. So that tempt that influence is something else. Okay. All right. A lot of times with women, now we're the body of Christ, right? But but yet I've realized that even though we're the body of Christ, so many women, we're still missing it. We're still missing it because we're not taking this warfare by force. Even in studying this, I was saying, you know, as Christians, we can get really complacent sometimes or discontent. And we think we have the right not to fight. When we see other people falling, they'll be okay. And it's people out there, that are thirsty, but they're thirsting after the wrong thing. And just like women who are with these men, and I'm doing the best I can to get him to see that I'm marriage material. When, first of all, since they're not reading their Bible, they already know it's the man that finds the wife find you and start paying all your bills for you so that you can marry me that's out of place and that's not how it works amen so it, it gets out of order and it gets and the thing of it is is that one of the things I noticed um, I'm sorry I, I'll stop here um, when Jesus was talking to this woman at the well he said Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And the woman said, Please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water anymore. Right when she said... (laughs) Give me this water. God said, go get... Jesus said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. And the woman replied. (laughs) Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. But you have five husbands. And you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. And so what she was doing was filling this thirst with men. One after the other after the other. But, again... A lot of it's ignorance. It's not the point of finger. We all make mistakes. It reminded me of, I didn't, ha- I didn't have the, the slide for it. It reminded me, of you ever heard the autobiography of the woman who walked down the street? She walked down the street, uh, chapter one. She saw a hole, she fell in the hole. She walked down the street again. She saw the hole, but she still fell in It's not my fault, and she had a hard time getting out. She walked down uh, the the street the third time. She fell in the hole again. The fourth chapter, she walks down the street. She sees the hole, and she walks around it. And the fifth day, she just walked down a different street. (laughs) And so what this woman did was, but now had Jesus not intervened, she would have been the same woman walking down the street over you know, fall in the same hole over and over. And it doesn't come through necessarily your experience. It comes to why I need to stop falling in this hole. Why do I need to stop falling in this trap? And if Jesus doesn't come in, if, if someone that can really feel that void does not come in, you're going to repeat the same thing over and over again. The Bible says there are three things that make the earth tremble. No, four cannot endure a slave who becomes a king, an overbearing fool who prospers, a bitter woman who finally gets a husband, and a servant girl who supplants her mistress, meaning she replaces her. So if I'm bitter and I'm trying to fill my void with men, that shows right there that I have a problem. And then through some happenstance, I marry him, and now you have a mess. You have a bitter woman who's gotten a husband, so everything that goes on wrong in her life is going to be his fault. He's the reason why I'm not happy. I heard someone ask this uh, lady one time, does your husband make you happy? And the guy kind of got nervous. She said, that's my responsibility. It's not his responsibility for me to be happy. So then this bitter woman marries this this man, and again, she thinks that everything that doesn't go right in the marriage is his fault. So if you haven't had your well experience, the marriage is going to be a nightmare. Not only was this woman unloved, now she has baggage. Contrary to what the world says, you cannot do everything with everyone and get it out of your system. I heard a young lady say that one time that I worked with. She was about to get married, and she said, I'm ready now. I've done everything and anything that I want to do. But you're being filled with garbage. It's just going to be baggage. So now, for all the teenagers, we've got quite a few of them in here. This is not going to be popular, but it's okay. There was a book years ago by this guy. I think his name was Joshua Harris. He wrote a book called I Kiss." Dating, goodbye. When we look at dating, we look at dating as it's all romantic. We get together. We do this and that and the other. Dating is when people come together for intel. I need some information. We need to get together and talk to see if, I need, if I'm if i wasting my time. If you need to go on, if I need to go on, what do we need to do? And Tori Kelly even wrote a song entitled, Dear No One. And she even talked about, yeah, I would love somebody to grab me, hold my hand, all the stuff, give me my, his coat when I'm cold. But until I'm ready, until he's ready. Dear no one. (laughs) When you are trying to be a helper to someone who isn't looking for a wife, you're just extra baggage. When Adam saw Eve, he said, at last, the man exclaimed, Adam exclaimed, This is bone of my bone, this is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh, she will be called woman because she was taken from man. If he's not excited over you this way, and if he's not ready to put a ring on it, and he's not ready to give you his name with both your names on the license, as Dion Ward said you need to walk on by. Amen. I'm sorry. Because... Not only does it say when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and finds favor for the Lord, for, from the Lord. But also, in that scripture in Proverbs, he says, who can find a faithful woman? She does him good all of his life. You're not going to do someone that you're not married to good all of your life. This dating thing, you all, first of all, I don't know who started it first. You're 16 years old, so you can date now. I remember my daughter was 17 years old. I said, you're not ready. <laughs> and, of course, she didn't listen to me. But because it's, it's you know, and I, I hear young ladies who, young lady I was talking to who's married, divorced now. And I said, what was it that attracted you to him? He made me laugh. You know, we got comedians everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you meet somebody, he makes you happy. So you laugh, and then something happens. Most times you get involved, you get pregnant, and now you're pregnant by somebody. You're not married to them. You're pregnant by somebody, you're pregnant by an unemployed comedian, and that's a mess. (sighs) I remember um, my son, I think my second son, he did something amazing to me. Um, one of my sons dated a whole lot in high school. Hallelujah. But then my daughter came anyway. <laughs> so he had met this girl, and the relationship really didn't, didn't fare well. Okay? And afterwards, my son did not date for a whole year. He was content. He was into himself, did what he wanted to do. There was no problem with him being alone because he was trying to figure out him and what I need to do. We think that in, in the peer pressure in the world that we live in today, if you're a young person, most time if you're a teenager, you'd be in high school, and even if you're out of school, you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, what's wrong with you? You do like boys, don't you? You do like girls, don't you? The peer pressure comes in. I'm supposed to be with somebody. That's what the world says. It's okay to have friends, but why do you have to be with somebody? And young ladies, you're looking at him as someone to make you happy, somebody to be with. And that's okay have fun and be with them. But if you have sex during this friendship, then you have gotten yourself all the way out of position He's looking for a girlfriend and you're looking for a husband. And okay. and then too, like I said, young people, this mindset of I'm 16, I can date now. Sometimes that 16 goes through all through high school, through college. Maybe I got a good 10 year span. You haven't even met anyone yet. You don't have a ring on it. So what are you doing all that time? Are you like the woman at the well? Just adding person after person after person, thinking that I'm experiencing life. So when I do get a husband, I know a lot. I know how to please him. I know how to, uh, I'm a mature woman, and that does not mature you. (laughs) And you know, the the sad part about it is, this is the sad part. See, things have changed a lot. Years and years and years ago, um, women weren't as aggressive. So if a guy was with someone and, say, she was trying to do the right thing and she wasn't having sex with him... um, Miss Fancy Pants, she would come by, and she was. So, you know, that put pressure on the one trying to do right. But the thing that I don't understand in today's world is, young women will give it up, but, but so many of them giving it up. Just because you give it up, then he looks at her and she's giving up. I mean, we all have it. It's not like he can't get it from somebody else. So why are you doing it? I mean women have taken they have taken the motivation from guys to be called. Can I have your number? She looked at her girlfriend. I like him. Girl, go get it. If you want it, go get it. It's yours. You you can be we're being told to be aggressive. You know, you see something you like, go get it. So you're not even waiting. You're not even waiting. You're not you know what I noticed with my husband and I, because they said don't stop dating. And sometimes I don't think he even realizes it. Sometimes we do have a specific time where we'll go to like a nice place, a glass town, whatever. But there are times when my husband and I will go to lunch together. And it's a date, though. My husband comes home, he picks me up, and we go somewhere. Most girls don't even experience that because most of them are going and picking him up and letting him drive her car. Anyway, <laughs> amen, amen, Um, someone told me something really interesting, and I know it had to be for a reason because it stuck with me. Because sometimes my memory, you know, she said, "You know, I heard a, a minister ministering. And he said that marriage is romance, uh, reality, romance, reality, resentment, and rewards." Unfortunately, nowadays, when women get ma- when couples get married, they go straight into reality because you romance before you already had the honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah. You've, all, you, you've already done everything that you can do. So, you know, day one, honeymoon, y'all probably bored, yeah. you know. So, cause you, and then reality hits. You realize he's not perfect, and I'm not perfect. And this marriage thing is something else. And I'm going to give him back. <laughs> and all these things are going on. And then if you're not, so so by you living under the same roof, if you're you, you know, not already living under the same roof. So when you start living under the same roof, you know what, I think that even if you're living together and you get married and stay on the same roof, still some stuff comes up. Amen. Because you brought God into it. So the light's going to expose everything. So <laughs> when you're under this same roof, you know, I wish she would stop putting that dental floss on the floor. The garbage can is right there. And um, I think he made a mistake and used my toothbrush. And, you know, why does she have to put her underwear there? I mean, just think, just, and that's just, some, you know, that's just mild stuff. And then the stuff starts coming and the stuff starts coming. So then you get, you know, reality hits. Okay, I have someone else here that I'm sharing a home with. And then resentment not all that I thought you was you lied to me <laughs> you know <laughs> you know she's giving it up and giving it up before the marriage and hey I do want to I got a headache wait a minute this was going on before the marriage what's going on now then resentments come, resentment comes in that's when you get real real close and I call those a divorce years am I gonna stay with him I don't like him I don't like her and so many times, what has happened is there's no, um, there's no marital counseling. There's no. You know, everybody get married. It's got to be easy. It can't be that hard for this cause. This explains why a, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, one thing makes this doable because. Pastor King and I, we went through our years where I may not have said anything to him, but I'm like, each year I was thinking, are we going to make another year? This is rough. This is hard. You know, I don't know if I want to do this. And then, as he shared with you, he gave me this, you know, wonderful epiphany one day Sophia, divorce is obsolete. It's not an option. (laughs) Really. (laughs) But, The wonderful thing about it was, and the only explanation I can give is my husband and I decided to follow Christ. And with with them following Christ, we understood some things. Okay. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The first time I saw that, it was in Genesis. I think Genesis 2.24. I think it is. And, you know, you know, Genesis is not in first person. This is not Adam saying this. The author is Moses. So Moses just interjects this. And the interesting thing is, you know, Adam and Eve don't have any physical parents in the garden. So when he's saying this in Ephesians 5.31, and you'll notice, too, another thing in Ephesians when Paul is talking about husbands and wives and family and everything. In other chapters, like in, in Corinthians, you would almost think, that Paul is against marriage. He says, it's better for you to be single and all this. But in here, he's really, really pushing. Men, treat your wives right. Women, be respectful and be submitted to your husbands. He's trying to really, really bring it together. The problem is, we're doing all this without a covenant. When you are living with someone and you are having sex with someone, first of all, what you don't know, it really is your husband because you consummate the marriage. That's what consummates marriage, not a piece of paper, not a ring, a marriage ceremony, okay? So you're doing it without a covenant. You know what? This is the thing I realize about covenants. And because I understand covenant and because I fear God, as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you my experience. When my husband and I got married, we didn't have any big wedding or anything. And when the pastor began to ask me, um, You know, about being, you know, all of the different vows and sickness and health and all this and all that. Yeah, I got so nervous. I thought I was going to pass out. Because even though I was making these vows and saying them to my husband, I was talking. It's like I was talking directly to God. It's like you cannot lie to God. It's like he's right there in my face. This is a huge thing that you are about to do. It does not matter that you don't have a five or 600 wedding party. It does not matter anything about that. It doesn't matter that you haven't spent a whole bunch of money on decorations. You are committing to something right now that is really, really serious. And I think because maybe of not having all of those things going on and the the wonderful stress of preparing a a wedding and all this stuff, it was tunnel vision. It was focused. All right, all right. Look at what you're finna do. You are 24 years old, and you are saying, "Number one, goodbye back to the single life." And you have agreed to all of these things. He said to this man, "For the rest of his life, to death, do you part?" Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and by learning the word, I learned about covenant. Because, like I said, it's not about that ring. It's not about that piece of paper. It's not about that ceremony. When a child is born, a child is born into covenant with those two parents because covenant means there's a shedding of blood. You're in covenant with that child. That's why you're a protector, provider, and all these things. When a child gets in those teenage years, uh, adolescent years, you know, we call young adults 18, but actually a whole, my, my son is taller than, you know, and, than I am. So on the outside, they look like adults. On the inside, but on the outside, they look like adults. And so uh, there comes to be uh, there is a you know uh, a breaking away. They still love you, still love them. Y'all y'all even in the same house, but they're becoming an adult. An identity crisis is. Who am I? Why am I here? What is, and a lot of times, the children aren't going to say these things to you. They might post it on social media. They may tell somebody else. And it's a good thing if they have somebody in their life that they can pour this out into. But then they're going through this stage in their life, well, what is going on with me? Who do I identify with? And the sad part is, if they don't know this is a time I need God more than I've ever needed him before. And unfortunately, if that doesn't happen... They become attached to the world, to the media. The songs that tell me, this is how you do it. And then the the bad influence around them. And so, but what needs to take place is another covenant. They need to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They need to have that covenant with the parents, and then they need to move into that covenant with him. When husbands and wives get married, I was told about this and and I read this book after I got married called Why the Hymen? I said, why the what? There is something that a woman has called a hymen. It's a very thin membrane that's a covering, okay, that is broken at the time of when, when you have sex, okay? And, this, and it's supposed to be for a token to prove that you're a virgin, all right? When this shedding of blood which makes this covenant. It means that now I understand I am committed to him. He is committed to me. A covenant has been made. When Jesus said, when they were asking him all these questions about marriage and divorce and he said, I hate divorce. I hate for you to break something as binding as a covenant. That's what I hate. He probably was even thinking about I'm getting ready to shed a whole lot of blood For this covenant that I'm about to make with you all. For this cause, a man leaves his father and mother. Why are we told that? Because Jesus left the father to be with us. We're the church. We're the bride. He came down here, left the father, came here for his bride, single, married, male, female, all the church. We're the bride. He came here to reconcile with us. He left a lot. One of the things that I realized that with our young people, how you know young ladies, that he's not ready. He's really ha- he really hasn't, not only has he not left father and mother, but he's not even preparing to leave father, father and mother. He's just left the parents' house and moved into your house so that you can take care of him. That man needs to be alone. Okay, Amen. Amen. Okay. Stay in your place. We can't fight if we're out of place. Where am I? Some of you may ask the question, okay, we're on the supernatural and we're on, on spiritual warfare. Miss King, what does this have to do with anything you giving us, this briefing on single life and dating and, and all of this? When you're out of place, And like I said, we're talking to the body, right? Because the body is what, this is the place where we come to be equipped and trained. When you are at a place, you are not going to fight effectively or you might be a casualty. Because you're not where you're supposed to be and where am I really supposed to be is with Christ in the heavenly realm. Because Ephesians 2.6 says, I've been raised from the dead and seated in heavenly realms in Christ above the enemy. when you get married and things are crazy just like that woman who who was bitter and got married even if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you don't know who you are if you don't know whose you are if you don't know God's intent you don't know all these things for your life you can't fight effectively when I first got married to my husband and we were going through, through things because I realized this is not what I thought and then when I realized after the fact that not just because of him not knowing so many things, being ignorant of so many things. I didn't want to fight effectively. Sometimes when he make me angry, would I just go and pray? No. I want to fight in the flesh. I don't want to pray for you. That's why when, you, when we get all out of position, when we don't do things the right way, we're not going to fight effectively. We're just not going to do it. But I want to say this. Because one thing for sure, a lot of us are out of place. We did it the wrong way. And this is the thing that I thought about. And I wanted a picture. didn't have time for my, well, didn't have my picture. I don't know if you all saw the book of Eli, but I I think a, a nuclear war or something had taken place. And it was just, it reminded me of Genesis 1. It was no void without form. I just pictured this dingy, dark, gray ugly place. But then Jesus said, let there be. The lights came on. The vegetation came. And the people came. And the sun and the moon and the stars. You know what? When I first got married and I was going through some things, I said, this is null and void and gray and I don't like this, you know. But I stuck with it and began to learn the word. And I believe I, I learned that I can speak and I can say what I want, and I can change this ugly, dark, gray place to a place that's blossoming, where the sun is shining. Where I can say, I've been in it for almost 30 years because of a change in my mindset. Because regardless of what it used to be, this is the beautiful thing, and this is what God has been telling me. He says, Sophia, first of all, you know, y'all, yeah, we're under grace and peace. It's some years ago, we were having prayer. This is when we used to have prayer. I think we were on Goodman, and we were having this at 6 o'clock. And my husband, you know, he would always like to do something prophetic One t- sometimes. And he did this. He said, I want my young people. He said, I just want you to find a scripture in the Bible, and I want you to say it. This is what he said. This was a scripture my daughter had this scripture. It's Ephesians 46, 12, and 13. It says, listen to me, you stubborn people who are so far from doing right. I'm ready to do things right, not in the distant future, but right now. We have a right now, God, we have a, if I say let there be, I can change my circumstances, I can change my situations, so I can be effective, so I can fight, so I can get in place. Just because I had the baby before I got married, just because I had sex before I got married, he do me, I loved him, he said he loved me, but he didn't, and now he's gone. Regardless of all those things, we're under grace, we're under peace, and God will change that thing around. We have married couples in here that said, we didn't start out doing it right, but because we trusted in God, he fixed it. Amen? <laughs> and that's the thing that I just want to share. We all make mistakes, like a, just like the man with the butterfly. Sometimes it's not even purpose. I feel like a victim. I didn't know I was supposed to do it this way, but you, know, you don't know the speed limit, you still get the ticket. okay I planted that seed but through the washing of the word the whole reason why God shed that blood was to wash his bride so she wouldn't have a spot or she'll be a wrinkle. I can speak my word over you and clean that mess up and you can live for me and you can be in position. It doesn't matter what it looks. I don't care how dark it looks. Whatever area in your life it doesn't have to be marriage. It could be any area in your life when I can speak the word and say, let there be. When I know the promises in the word for my life, it changes things. It changes things. And I can fight my battles better because if I know who I am and whose I am and where I can be seated, I can really fight my battles effectively because then I can praise God. I'm discontent. I don't want to praise God. I don't like this. I don't want to raise my hand. That's why you get in position. That's where you get in place. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about the repairs of the Breach Ministry, please visit us at rotbchurch.org. Want to stay connected to the church updates and news? Text ROTB to 24587. 24587. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.